Welcome to Not So Standard Deviations. This is episode 18, uh, and I'm Roger Pang from the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, and I'm here with Hillary Parker uh, at, of Stitch Fix. So, hey, Hillary. Hey, how are you? All right, and uh, you have, are you're back on planet Earth, right? Yeah, yeah. That's I've good. Been, uh, I've been traveling quite a bit. I'm really excited to not be traveling for about five days. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's back, back yeah, on the plane, it's right? Back yeah. Out. Yeah. Um, well, it's, I've been following your, uh, your travels on Twitter. Yes. And it sounds like uh, Uzar was quite the blowout. Yeah, Uzar was great. Um, it was super fun, super super well organized. Um, just want to say hi to everyone. Hi back to everyone who said hi to me at the conference. Um, it was really fun. There was a lot of our listeners there, which was cool to start to meet people in person. That's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, it was really cool, and um, and it was really fun because it was a lot of people who was their first our conference, or you know, like like a lot of people who were. Um, you know, getting involved in the community. Um, so, so yeah, it was it was really nice, and I think it's you know, like Roger, it's easy for us to like we have we're we're like embedded in this community for a while, and for people who are starting off, it's you know, I think it's nice to have this you know community like emerging community for people who are kind of starting out or or even in the field for a while but just want to be able to like talk about our things well i just want to there's there's like a couple there's a little things that i want to follow up on first oh sure uh first is that um the so a good friend of the show brooke anderson uh <laughs> told me that we should start a there should be a not so standard deviations drinking game <laughs> uh where you have to drink every time we talk about theranos <laughs> You know what? This yeah. came up at Uzar. Did it really? <laughs> someone asked. Like, it was like joking. I'll leave this person anonymous. But someone said something like, "Like, did Roger used to date Elizabeth Holmes or something? <laughs> like, is there some reason why he wants this company to go down?" <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was jo- It was joking. It was yeah. actually speculating that, but it was just funny because I think your interest in this. Uh, topic has been noted really yeah okay well for the record <laughs> for the record the answer is no yeah. <laughs> and uh, and while we're on that topic <laughs> you have a follow-up <laughs> well did you hear so you hear that there's gonna be a movie i did with jennifer lawrence right? with jennifer lawrence yes and adam yeah. mckay uh writing it who did um, someone tweeted that to us was that amelia uh i got a number of people tweeting it so i, I lost track yeah <laughs> Everyone knew you'd be really interested. Everyone knew who to turn to when the, when the news came out, yeah. That's pretty funny. I only got one tweet, and it, like, CC'd you, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's interesting, given that, like, the movie will probably come out before it, all of this is resolved, so. Yeah, yeah. No, that is interesting. It's, that Actually, I was just watching, there was the, um, oh, man, who was the director? I just watched the movie last night, and there was a preview for the Snowden movie. But it's not... Oh, yeah. Documentary, the one that's like a like a movie. like a uh, like a dra- dramatic version. Yeah, it's a really famous director, but I can't remember who. Yeah, no, I, I've, I think I've Oliver seen. Stone. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyway, like another like unfinished story. Yeah, that's yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, so all the rage. Yeah. Um, and then I just have well, one more little thing, um, which is that the I don't know if you saw this, but the like I think our very first free advertising. Uh, I, I talked about what three words? Yeah. Uh, which is this is kind of like mapping all of the, the earth to like three word combinations. Mm-hmm. And apparently Mongolia is going to use that for their like official postal system. Whoa. Uh, their official wow, like, post- that, That's cool because they probably have that problem where they don't have like yeah. they have a lot of people in like rural areas. Yeah, it's all spread out, and like, and I guess they don't really have like. I guess the way that you often tell directions in Mongolia is just like, oh, just go past the building on the left, and then turn a right. Like that, that, that that's the address <laughs> or something. So anyway, yeah. so they've apparently adopted the system for kind of all of the landmarks or all the addresses for people for delivering mail. That's cool. Yeah. And Are like the think, words in Mongolian? Yes, I, yeah, I know. Yeah. I think they have a translated version, obviously. I yeah. see. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That's yeah. super so, cool. Uh, yeah, I like to think that we had something to do with that. So. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know, did you have anything else? No, nope, from... nope. Okay. Uh, well, uh, I think it would make sense for us to talk about Uzar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm trying so... to figure out. I have 
I have my page of talks I thought were interesting that I want to chat about. Uh, okay. And I don't even know how to like start. Well, um, was there anything that piqued your interest from? I actually, I had a couple. So I followed the whole thing on Twitter. I sad, very sadly, for like the nth year in a row, um, I was Mm -hmm. not there. And um, Mm -hmm. this, this, from the outside, it seemed like a really good one um, with Mm -hmm. people like Don Knuth and uh, Rick Becker was there and Mm -hmm. talking about S. And then um, I can't remember. And I guess lots of big people there. So, and a great location, obviously. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, although Stanford's very spread out, I did not realize I, that was my first oh. time going to Stanford, and it's uh-huh. like a huge campus. Oh, okay. Yeah, have you been there before? Uh, no, I've not been on campus. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was really pretty, uh, and it was a good location. It's. I feel like I only saw a little bit of Stanford because <laughs> I was <laughs> like kind of drive to where the what building it was, and uh. it's not like a very condensed. It's a very spread out campus, so. Um, well, maybe before we start, let me ask because you've been to many of these now, right? I, this is actually only my second. Oh, <laughs> despite, is it really? Yeah, yeah. Despite seeing, like, despite talking about it, like I've been to a ton of them. Uh, this is only my second. So. <laughs> so the other one you went to was Los Angeles. Yeah, that one was at UCLA. Okay. Um, yeah. How do you do? You feel like it? How do you feel like it compared in terms of you know was it bigger, smaller? What I mean, how did it compare? It was definitely bigger. Um, like this year, the tickets sold out really quickly. That's true. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I think generally the it's the like the keynotes were a lot bigger this year. I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for Don Knuth and um, the Becker. Wait, what was his first name? Rick Becker. Rick Becker. Uh, yeah. It was. Um, I mean, they were like totally packed. Hadley with yeah. them too. Um, uh-huh. And so I think in the past I'm used to keynotes that are a little more just like another talk. Um, does that make sense? Like the yeah. other keynotes would just be attended kind of the way that like a popular talk would be attended. Whereas this sure. is like everyone showed up for the keynote. So it had, had more of that conference feel. Um, and then, and then, yeah, I think that generally it was, I think that the industry presence that like continues to increase and that brings like more formal activities, like, cause they can sponsor drinks and things. And oh so, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So like there was a cruise, which was really exciting. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I saw a few pictures from that. Yeah. Yeah. It was really pretty. It was out in the San Francisco Bay. Um, the only, if you were someone who got seasick, which is me, <laughs> oh. it was really fun until I was seasick. And then I was like, I'm on a boat. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so how was Don Knuth? I'm curious because I've never seen yeah, him. Yeah, that was really a highlight. It was, it was a really good talk. Um, it was actually, it was extremely sweet that he put together kind of an R program. He'd never programmed an R before. And he put together kind of his vision of what literate programming would look like in R, um, like kind of as a, I, and it was actually hard for me as someone who doesn't know too much about literate programming, aside from the concept, which has bled into the R world. So like this concept first came to me um, actually via Hadley Wickham talking about how the primary purpose of R code should be to communicate what you're doing. Um, right. And that really stuck with me. and like was kind of a paradigm shift for me. And I felt like, I felt like that allows me to get away from a lot of the arguments, like the language wars, which are just so frustrating. Um, kind of like talking about performance time or whatever, cause I can kind of sidestep that argument and be like, my really concern is like communicating an analysis. And that's, I find that to be easiest in R. Um, and so anyway, like his, his approach was this sort of like, almost like a PDF doc uh, with a lot of references to like, oh, here's where we define the function. And we like talked about it over here and integrating the math background with the actual code and um, just making sure that it's like a, and again, I think it's like somehow the whole PDF documents, the program or something like he kind of talked about it in a way that made me think that it might've not been true, but, um, but it was just, it was cool to hear, to see someone with so much expertise and experience in the, you know, computer science coming over and essentially showing us that we are somewhat on the right track. <laughs> but yeah, of, yeah, yeah, documentation and just sort of the philosophy. Yeah, I, I do think that his original kind of conception of literate programming is very, is different from kind of what the reality is in R. Mm-hmm. In terms of like Nader documents and whatnot, uh, just because I feel like the original system with tech 
you know, it kind of it was I think I think it was kind of premised on the idea that the computer programming language is not a good way to communicate what you're doing, <laughs> mm-hmm. in, in in the sense that it can be hard to read, and so um, and so the idea that's why you would want to mix kind of natural language documentation with computer code, mm-hmm. um, and so you can explain what you're doing with what with words, with equations, with whatever it is, um, in in the document, and then have the code kind of underlying it. Um, and then you could either compile it into a PDF, or you could, comp- or you could comp- literally compile it into a, an executable. Um, okay, all right. So it is like the code. the The PDF is one c- compilation of the actual program. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So the PDF is not the program, but the, there's a document underlying that that is the program that mm-hmm. you know that the PDF came from. Yeah. Perfect. Um, yeah, but- that was sort of my impression. Um, and it's funny, actually, because this was something that another person presented on uh, on a package called Lint that was rethinking how we do documentation in R completely. Um, because right now it's like a fully separate file, and then um, Roxygen or R Oxygen, however you yeah. pronounce it, it sort of it like allows you to put the the documentation in the file with the functions, but it's sort of ugly and it's not integrated line by line or whatever. And so, so this person was really advocating for a paradigm shift where we do more of the these literate programming principles, like putting the the documentation for the function interspersed with the document so that or with the function so that it actually. So that you're thinking about it and writing it when you're writing the function, and so that when you're reading the function, like if you printed the object, the function object, it would also print the documentation right there. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. cool. It was cool. That one was called Lint, um, and I wish I had the person's name, but how, how do you um, spell it? L i n t. Oh, okay. And I think there's a another one, L i n t r. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. And it was borrowing from, I think it was borrowing from C++ or some, some like, quote-unquote real language. <laughs> there was a program called Lint that dates back a long time for C. Um, mm-hmm. But that would, like, go through your, it would analyze your code and, and look for, like, possible errors, basically. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure how much that, I was really, I was, I, I, on that, during that talk, I was honed in on this idea, like, the func- where the functions go and everything, and so I'm not. Maybe that's part of it. I don't yeah. know. I've, they must be related, right? Um, yeah. But yeah. Think... No, but it was um, the thing that with Don Knuth that was really, uh, really awesome and just like special was that uh, Susan Holmes had this video. So she introduced him and had a YouTube video of him being like in college, I think in the like 19, early 60s or late 50s, um, doing. being a data analyst for their basketball team and it's like this amazing video where they're like yeah we lost all like we were a losing record and then we brought in Don Knuth and they like show him literally like taking notes and looking very (laughs) statistician-y and then they're like and then you know he did analysis and then we won the next season we won all these games wow (laughs) that's amazing it was like I my jaw was dropping. I was like, "Oh my god, this is like they literally made a movie out of this similar story, you know, for the right. Oakland no, days." Yeah. Yeah, but like <laughs> but long before. <laughs> I know, it's like so long before. It's it's really a treasure. I'm surprised that I tweeted it out and it didn't get a ton of action. I'm like, "How can people not be flipping out about this?" It's like <laughs> it's like the best the best thing ever. And so that was part of the so I think he that was like some of his first. Uh, I mean, he was like in college, right? So right, yeah. And interestingly, he, I guess he, he didn't really like go into that, you know, at all. <laughs> yeah, he could have. He clearly could have been like revolutionized sabermetrics, you know, before <laughs> it even existed. But. I, well, I don't know if he could have. I, it might have been too early for that, you know. I, I, you know. <laughs> well, but not according. Not. I mean, he like turned around his college basketball. Team, I guess that's true. So. The proof's in the pudding, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> It was pretty. It was pretty amazing. It, it almost seemed. I think people. Some people. Susan was saying that people were uh, saying that it seemed fake. They're like, "Oh, that can't possibly be true," because the production quality is really high. Uh-huh. Um, but apparently, it's because IBM put it together because they were using some oh, sort IBM. of IBM machine that did fifty thousand computations a minute. Wow, so, <laughs> a <yeah>. minute. <laughs> a minute. <laughs> 
That's amazing that the denominator like has to be a minute. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Uh, Dave Robinson was like, yeah, I was expecting it to be a second. And right. I was going to laugh at that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. So is it's online somewhere? It's on YouTube. It I, is on I YouTube. Okay. Definitely give the link. We would definitely this. have to link. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's, it's amazing. Uh, yeah. Um, so what were some of the highlights, I guess, for that you, yeah. from your perspective? Yeah. So uh, one highlight was that uh, Hadley Wickham has decreed that it is no longer the Hadleyverse. It is the Tidyverse. <laughs> and he is a very, a very, um, a very aggressive keynote annotation or animation, I should say, I to, to, to blow up the Hadley and like in the ashes was Tidy. So I don't, I'm, you know, so I saw that, and uh, yeah. I feel like that is that one of those things that you get to decide, <laughs> or that he gets to decide. <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of like your that, nick, your nickname, yeah. right? Like you don't get to make your own nickname, right? <laughs> Are you against? I, I, you like don't want to grant this wish to him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not saying that. I mean, I, I'm just saying that I have no control over. It. I mean, I could call it the tidy verse, sure, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, if everyone yeah. just everyone else just decides, <laughs> it's true. I think. Uh, I think Hadleyverse came out the first time with. Uh, it definitely wasn't him. It was. Uh, there was a blog post that was again. It's this idea that you wanted to. I mean, in some way, it's been very organic because. He started building these packages that played dice with each other and interacted well and had this idea for tidy data. Although that was, I think that was after GG plot, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. I think so, so it's like that, that idea had been forming for a while and was already reflected in the tooling and then started writing more packages and more packages. And so then like there was a need to say like all these packages play nice together. How do we say that? Um, but then yeah. obviously, I mean, I, I think hopefully, I guess I'm going to try to make fetch happen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you heard you heard it here, like second or third. It's the tidy verse now. Yeah. 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 I I mean, because it's you know at this point, like a you know a lot of the canonical tidy verse packages have other authors. You know. Yes, uh, that's that is true, and I think it's not yeah, fair. Yeah, and they don't get a, Yeah, they don't get a ton of credit. And again, I, this wasn't like Hadley's doing, right? Um, right. It just sort of happened that way. And then, um, and then also there's starting to be more and more packages that Hadley never touched, uh, like Broom uh, from right, David yeah. Robinson, which is very much part of the part of the tidyverse, uh, yeah, a key yeah. component in my opinion. And so, um, so yeah, it lets it, it's a more inclusive, you know, a more inclusive term. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Plus, like, I, I found that if I had to describe Hadleyverse to people, I was like, oh, yeah, so it's this, like, you know, essentially a PI for these tools, and the tools revol revolve around tidy data. So now it's like, oh, yeah, Tidyverse that revolves around tidy data. Like, it's a little faster <laughs> to yeah. explain, explain yeah. to non-experts. So. Yeah, well, also, I think as the, as the user base gets bigger, you know, like people, more and more people will be like, "Who's this Hadley guy?" You know, and then it kind of yeah. doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, that are, that definitely already happens. First yeah. of all, they'll probably originally be like, "Who's this Hadley girl?" <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard that thing when Alyssa did this study of uh, the gender of GitHub repos a uh, few years ago. Yeah, right. Well, what happened there? So it was like, oh, there's so many, um, there's so many more women proportion wise or percentage wise uh with open source like popular so i think her criteria this is Alyssa frazy who's um was at hopkins the same time i was um and now is at stripe and she she was doing this analysis of um the gender of github repos that had at least like three stars or five stars or some number of stars and she like scraped the data and used some sort of library to infer gender from the username or name, like actual name if they posted it. Um, and so R had this really high, it's like, look how good R's doing. It's like substantially higher percentage than these other languages. And the reason why is because her name classifier classified Hadley as a woman's name. Oh, okay. And so, <laughs> okay. And so, when she corrected that, it was like more in line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I don't think I've ever met a female Hadley. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I have. Yeah. You have? Okay. All right. Anyway, um, it's like it's like Hillary. It's a name that used to be male, and then. I can't say I've met a male Hillary though. I mean, I I know that it used to be male, but yeah, in, like, in the modern age. 
Yeah, I don't think I've ever met a male Hillary, but there's just a famous male Hillary who died, I think. And there's a lot. Of, there's like, yeah, like older. They're all dying right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh. Um, so, okay. So Hadleyverse, now Tidyverse. Yes. Um, and he, else? <laughs> I mean, that was a good talk. It's definitely, yeah. it was recorded and it talks about the sort of philosophy and he, I, there was a new package called Lazy Eval, um, but for like non-standard evaluation. I uh-huh. think I think I would not be able to describe it well until I played around with it. So um, yeah, yeah, it's sort of it seems like one step away from what I usually do in my day to day because I'm you know. I think it's the kind of thing that you need if you're if you're like Hadley building tools like that. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. It's. Probably not. The details are probably not. I don't. I don't I'm not. I'm not like super familiar with it because I don't build tools like that. But I've kind of been admirably exposed to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So um, that's a new package. Yeah. Yeah. It's like pretty nation, if you will. But um, mm-hmm. he was talking about that at one point, and then um, yeah, just talking about. I think his he's really motivated. He had this whole thing about like I want you to fall into the pit of success, uh, which yeah. was yeah, or just like the idea that you would um, like I don't know. He obviously is very focused on making his users um, like successful, like in using intuitive tooling. And again, right. that's not I don't think like every R package developer is thinking about that. Yeah. Um, well, actually, I had a. I, I, I don't know if we want to talk about it now, but I had a question about that because I not, I don't I because he. Someone posted, someone tweeted that falling into a pit of success, whatever, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember Probably who. Probably Coding um, Horror. Co- ugh, coding Horror? What's his name? I don't know. Oh, it's like a famous, that that blog post is from a famous guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But I think, um, I was wondering about that. So, because uh, I saw a, someone did a screen, someone showed like a slide from a presentation by Revolution. Did you go to that? Mm-hmm. Um, it must have been like David Smith or something like that. Oh, yeah. I went to David Smith's. Did he talk about like integrating R into like Microsoft tools? Yes. Do you, so can you tell me about that? Um. Yeah. I mean, I was. It was interesting. Yeah. So the idea. He had a really interesting example that was somewhat challenging to me, <laughs> okay. which was that uh, you could actually you can. So they had something called like Azure ML or Azure ML. I'm yeah. not sure how to pronounce it. Um. But yeah. I guess that's probably some generic machine learning package, but you like mach- cloud machine learning repository of functions. Um, and you could push R functions to there. And then you could use the Azure ML plugin in an Excel sheet. And so essentially, it was a way of getting R into um, Excel workbooks. Like you could. As- with the idea being that like someone who only has Excel doesn't have R at all, you could like sneakily get R on like get R at least R functions or R output right. in in front of their eyes, um, which was I was like, hmm, how do I so, feel about uh, yeah. this? So I want to ask you, like, how do you feel about that? Um, I mean, <laughs> I will say it's like hard for me not to have a gut negative reaction to that. Yeah. At the same time, like. I think I'm getting a little more humility about the fact that like someone had some numbers up there. I think it was Jenny about how many people are using Excel versus how many people are using R and like, you know, it's no contest, right? Like Excel is mass, like orders of magnitude, many orders of magnitude more popular. And so, I mean, I have my kind of ideal world that I, I'm sure I'll continue to push for, but I think this is like a pretty practical solution it just it, it's not a solution that nudges people in the right direction i think that's what bothers me about it um but, yeah yeah I, I was thought about you know like what what hadley's you know trying to say in terms of like getting you to do you know making it easy for you to do data analysis with intuitive tooling right yeah yeah I, if you take that argument to its limit i think you end up at excel yeah i you totally know? agree with you yeah and like i john miles white had a tweet about this once where he, he was like the genius of hadley's packages is that he makes them just easy enough but no easier you know he like he he's figured out where this line is and some people would disagree some people would say the lines like you know he makes things too easy but he definitely has opinions about when you should be programming versus not or like yeah yeah. right 
Um, and I think, but I, I, when I saw that slide uh, from David Smith, I, I, it occurred to me that Microsoft has this, has this now has this ability to just obliterate that line, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. And if they could, imagine if someone could, could use Microsoft Excel and produce a ggplot type of plot, right? They mm-hmm. could reasonably argue that they're using ggplot, right? And, you know, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, but then it's like, okay, <laughs> but yeah. you're not, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, and you probably, your data is probably not tidy and you're, you know, yeah. and, uh, so well, it's, this uh, is, this is why I feel really strongly. I'm trying to, I'm actually, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to solidify ideas and write them down <laughs> about what, what are the key components to like quote unquote the right way to do analysis development or develop an analysis like what components do there need to be yeah and programming is definitely one of them like an executable script in my opinion is one of them yeah Uh, well i mean ultimately it's like there at some point you're no longer doing analysis like i think many people would argue there's definitely a point where you're no longer programming for example yeah um and uh, and most people most programmers would kind of recognize it when they saw it mm-hmm. um but we haven't figured that out for like when it, at what point are you no longer analyzing data but and what do you mean like that you're just what? so like you know yeah I, you could like i don't know there, there are these applications where you click on some menus and whatever and it essentially writes the program for you yeah you know and uh or you know some of these gui builders you know like, like sorry these like you know interface builders mm-hmm. you don't really program like you kind of design things and it kind of writes the code underneath mm-hmm. um and uh I, I, like if you knew how to do that i don't think anyone would think that you were a programmer mm-hmm. but um and so the question is like if you're is, but the, so like if to, in order to be a programmer you have to know some lower detail level of knowledge right mm-hmm. um and so the question is for analysis or for data analysis you know what like if i can do everything in excel and produce all these beautiful plots like you know is that an, am i a data analyst uh, or do, is there some lower level of knowledge i need to have like and never if i can never touch r you know or mm-hmm. never touch any sort of language like that yeah well i mean empirically most people with the job title data analyst are just in excel right Yes. So, yeah. So, so yeah. it would be difficult to draw that line there, right? Because <laughs> yeah. then you just eliminated a huge number of people. Yeah. Well, and so that's why I want, that's why I've been pushing this idea of defining the process of developing analysis so that people can work toward it. You know, like, like, I mean, with the example of programming, I think that any, like, people, people write little toy programs all the time, and then they understand that when they, like, want to be serious about it in an organization and, like, help work on a big project or, like, just be taken more seriously, they have to start to follow the principles of, like, software development. Um, Sometimes, like, you know, very frequently are forced to do it, right? (laughs) Like, you couldn't possibly push code to a production database, like, if it's not you know, passing the test that the, you know, the company has decided is right important. And so I think that we just need a similar concept for analysis where it's like, okay, like there are ways to like, you can do this any way you want, but if you're going to do this in a serious way, you need to start following these principles of like reproducibility and scripting and possibly some like data quality testing. Um, which I'm yeah. really excited about. <laughs> well, is it, yeah. I guess, it, you, is it almost like the distinction between like professional and amateur, I guess, or? Um... Well, no, because you could be an amateur, you know, probably some of the best analyses I've seen have been amateur ones, you uh-huh. know, following these principles or, um, but I, yeah, I guess I'm not sure, aside from just, I'm not sure why, I guess like selling this idea, I'll need to think of ways to pitch it Aside from like the gain and efficiency and accuracy, although that's, I mean, but that's how people would sell software development. So I'm not like, like using testing and software development in context or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I don't even, I don't think I answered your question. Or... Well, I don't remember <laughs> what the question was. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you see um, what I mean? Like just getting a word, like we, like you and I both obviously care about this because we talk about it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and we both care about reproducibility. Um, and so it's like, it's just putting a word and intention behind that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Yeah. I, well, I think we need some more kind of time uh, mm-hmm. for people to be exposed to this kind of work. 
mm-hmm. and uh, and then to have a better understanding of of kind of where the lines to be drawn in terms of kind of what's kind of messing around and what's not. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, I like, I, yeah. Sorry, oh, go ahead. You go. <laughs> I, I just felt like um, I, I felt like there there are some some of these issues will be solved over time, and I'm not sure if we could just force it to be solved right now. Like, I just feel like the the field is not as mature as it needs to be. Maybe I don't know. Totally. Yeah. I mean, my biggest reason for wanting to define this and write down principles is because I want to help guide the tool development. Yeah. So yeah. So like, I want to help make sure that the folks at our studio, for example, like know what I'm thinking. Cause like, like I think, you know, to be totally perfectly honest, like I think knitter has some deficiencies in this. Like one of the, one of the terms that was thrown a lot around a lot by the R studio folks was this idea of tools being opinionated versus unopinionated. Uh-huh. Um, and which I really liked that phrasing. I'm going to use it a lot more. Um, and like knitter is a perfect example of a tool that is like excessively unopinionated, right? right. Like yeah. you can put whatever the hell you want in there. And then actually I was learning from my coworkers cause we use shiny a lot. I should say they use shiny a lot. I haven't built any shiny dashboards yet there, um, at stitch fix, but, um, like knitter or shiny actually is way more opinionated and has places to add testing, um, like, like data validation testing. Like if you, um, put something in that's outside the range of the data, you'll get an error message. So it's funny because it's like the tools they build do like for that product, they know that they can be opinionated, but they're not being opinionated about general analysis. Right. And I think they should be more opinionated about general analysis. You mean the um, shiny stuff? Well, so wait, Sorry, Wait, I think... what, sorry, what should be more opinionated? I, I... Oh, the thing that should be more opinionated, I think, is just, like, any tool they create for doing analysis. <laughs> I see. Okay, <laughs> like, okay, yeah. Yeah, so, like, Knitter, like, even just having defaults of, you know, here's your code chunk for adding testing. <laughs> like, right. like, every time you start a new .rmd file, it, like, auto-creates different, yeah. you know, like, here's yeah. your code chunk for whatever. And you can change it if you want, but, like, giving people gentle guides... Um, I, I've been using for a long time this, um, this package called project template that is opinionated about what you should do, uh, mm-hmm. to develop an analysis. And that is, that's like where my motivation is coming from. Cause that was so key and helpful to me in yeah. my work. And I want that to get adopted more wide, widely. So, yeah. yeah, well, I think, yeah, I think that's the kind of thing that does need to evolve over time because I think if you. If you imagine, if you immediately kind of state an opinion about what sh- the way things should be done, I mean, it's almost certainly not going to capture the heterogeneity of ways that people work. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and yes, you could argue that everyone should work this way, but uh, I think it's a t- it's off. Sometimes it's, it's right, and sometimes it's a tough you know battle. And I think uh, it's kind of sorting through all that. It does take time, though. Um, yeah. And uh, like I th- I think what analogy might be like you know if you look if you look at programming languages you know if you look at a language like C. Uh, which is kind of the ultimate in flexibility, right? It's like basically mm-hmm. everything's a pointer and you can do whatever the hell you want, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, it's, that makes it super dangerous, right? <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. like, it's the source of all bugs, right? And yeah. so I think over time, languages, different languages got, got a lot more con- controlled in terms of what you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do, to the point where like you're not, a lot of language, most languages now, including R, like you're not allowed to allocate memory, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, the, the software does it for you. And I think what happens, at least on there, I don't think there's this perfect analogy here because I think in the programming language side, a lot of the stuff that people had to do, uh, eventually computers got better at doing it. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was it didn't make sense for you to manage memory when the computer could manage memory better than you could. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't make sense for you to kind of uh, to declare different types when the computer could just figure out the different types for you, you know. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, and so that kind of came with advances in kind of computing power. Uh, I don't know if the, the same could happen. I think uh, for, I mean, I think a lot of that goes into like research and like computer science research kind of gets translated into building, you know, allowing the tools kind of to, to do most of the work. And I think there has to be more data analysis research um, mm-hmm. done to figure out, okay, what are the things that the computer can just do for you, mm-hmm. you know? And so therefore you don't have to be the one doing it. Yeah. And therefore, you don't need as much. You won't need as much flexibility because the computer will kind of handle all the nonsense for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, Although I, I guess that, I'm confused. When you're saying that, do you mean like how to run a linear regression, or do you mean? 
like, I guess I'm thinking a lot of, when I'm saying this, I'm thinking mostly of sort of the components that would go into an, like an analysis write-up eventually. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like you might be talking more of like how to implement linear regression or something. No, I was thinking, I don't know. Like, so maybe one, one example might be, so for example, you uh, write a function or something. Mm-hmm. Um, that does some analysis. Uh, maybe this is not the best example, but then like maybe it, once you finish writing the function, then like a test could be automatically built for you. You know. Yeah. Uh, right now you have to write that test, right? I see. Um, yeah. Uh, that may not be the best example because that's not really data analytic per se. But yeah, um, no. But I uh, see what you're saying. So then it would be less of an imperative. Like everything I'm talking about would be things that you would have to consciously decide that you want to do and and include in the write up. So like reproducibility yeah. and like like my big one that i'm excited about is kind of this like data quality unit testing or like testing anyway uh-huh. um and and so like my whole idea for that would be like you do these tests and then you present the results as sort of a appendix to any analysis um just it's like hey just so you know i tested xyz uh made sure all my heights were positive or something right. um and um and so maybe what you're saying is like something like that. Like if if it was assumed that those things were automated, then maybe you wouldn't even have to communicate it. So like the it is sort of a somewhat tooling dependent tooling deficiency like band aid. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, but, I yeah. I mean, I need to think about this a little bit more because I'm just like spewing <laughs> things off on the fly right now. But <laughs> well, I think. I mean, one, the things I'm hopeful about are that one, something like reproducibility or this, like the idea of data quality testing or any of these things that I'm sort of advocating for as part of this, like how to properly develop an analysis. Those are all, um, those are all somewhat general, not like, like even if, even if the tooling made it way easier, then it could just be like, okay, well the tool, like, you know, the tool should take care of this for you, but like the principle still holds that you like should do that. Like, you know, we teach, we teach when you learn statistical tests, we teach the assumption, the distribution assumptions uh, that like for the data that you're testing. And we even teach students how to assess that by like looking at appropriate plots or whatever. And so this is just like saying, and you should include that in the analysis, right? Right. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So it's something like that, you know, is, is, I don't think like any. I don't think any tooling advances would make that not valid. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, no. That's yeah. true. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. I, that's why I feel like the analogy is not perfect. But um, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's sort of what my whole my whole thing right now is that we spend a lot of time with um, like if you think about the phrase like develop an analysis. There's sort of like develop the narrative and the statistical argument, and then there's like technically develop the artifact that you're creating like the the pdf or whatever the document Um, yeah 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 and so those are different like we kind of teach the first one way more than we teach the second one although i think people are starting to teach the second one too um but yeah so that's sort of where where my thoughts are right now yeah i think the sec you know the second part in terms of like how what's the proper way to construct you know, to present and kind of construct the the document that contains the analysis, I guess. Is mm-hmm. that what you're saying? Yeah. I think that, like, at least in my world, kind of largely fell in the domain of, like, just, quote, doing research. Yeah. Um, and as did programming. I mean, I think writing, like, programming also kind of fell into that domain, too. It doesn't really get taught, really. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, um, but I think um, it is, I think it's, yeah, so it is something that kind of teach presenting that as like a, as a critical um, kind of element, kind of like, you know, that needs to be kind of properly put together is, it is happening, I think, so. Yeah, exactly. Like, we're already starting to do it. Like, the push to reproducibility probably being the biggest, the biggest representation of that, right? But at the same time, just, again, just congealing it all around an idea, I think, is helpful. Um, Yeah. Like, here are the principles, and, like, there are, just like with software development, people don't question why you use GitHub, 
right? Or like why right. use some sort of version control, right? Right. Um, and yeah. the benefits of that are assumed by everyone and you don't have to fight about it every single time you're talking to a new person. <laughs> Whereas like we don't, we're not at that phase with analysis, right? Like people, yeah. people do fight about like, like whether or not you need things like that. And so yeah. my head, cool. my, my, my slide for this, what I was talking about recently, was like from the big Lebowski where he was like, like, Donnie, this is bullying. There are rules. <laughs> like, like there are <laughs> rules we need to start following. Well, I, it'd be interesting to go back in time because it wouldn't be that far back. Um, I think to see like when version control tools kind of came standard in software development and yeah and what, what the arguments for and against it were because yeah, i like, honestly don't know was there like a wild west where people were like like why would i need to do version control or have these collaborative tools like you know or were they way i i think this has happened before where i've talked about software development and just had this whole grass is greener attitude of like everything over there was just perfect and i never had, <laughs> right. and so maybe it's not I mean, yeah maybe it's like Maybe it was like a bloody fight over there too, but yeah, I know it'd be good. It'd be good to go back so that to like so that you know we don't make the same mistakes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it'd be super interesting. I, I think it probably is a different different set of constraints. It would be hard for me to believe it's not a, a really different set of constraints for like yes. the type of person that's yeah. doing software development versus analysis. And stuff. Yeah. So yeah. uh, what else did you pick up from Uzar? I know. I have so many other. Okay. So actually, <laughs> along along the lines of what we were just talking, um, there was a, a package called Validate from Mark Vanderloo that was exactly what I'm describing. So there's been like a few packages in this space, including one I actually worked on um, two years ago, like very briefly <laughs> at the ROpenSci um, hackathon, it was called uh -huh. back then, um, for like unit testing data. And so at the time we were trying to say, you know, here's what you should test for. You should test for NA characters that might be left out or, you know, like any, any range of common data quality issues. Um, but then that, that never like fully took off. And then the, and now I think the tooling, it's it, like seeing the idea iterate has been cool. We're now, and this is, there are a lot of packages from um, our open with more like, tooling to make the test for unit testing data easy. So like including it within like an analysis, like Magritte pipeline, where you take your data, you aggregate it, then you might do a test to make sure all of your like averages are positive or something uh -huh, before uh -huh. you proceed to the next step of the analysis pipeline. Um, but then validate, what I liked about this package was that it actually, you created a bunch of tests and rather than, rather than like starting or stopping the pipeline, it actually just created a tidy data frame of the test results. And so then you could like summarize them, make a box plot, like you could, you could do, you could do analysis on the test passing and failures, uh, really easily. And so that I was jazzed about that because that seems really natural to include again as like the appendix in any analysis. Like I, you know, I did check to make sure heights were all greater than zero. Right. Um, yeah. And like, here's the test. And this, the object literally included the logical expression as like the last column, like the test, like, like the test syntax. Yes, no. yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, no. And also like, you tested height greater than zero. Oh, uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like that string of what you were passing in that, like the string that created the logical thing that you were testing is in the data frame. So then it's just so easy to communicate to someone like, oh, I tested, I tested all these things. Here's the results. Like see all these trues, <laughs> like, right. like we're good to go. Um, so I thought I was really jazzed about that package. Um, and so I'm going to try to, integrate that into my daily workflow cool um, yeah no, yeah i have to take a look at that i didn't see it yeah yeah the other packages there's one called asserter um from our that's okay similar. that one's like the pipeline one and then i think there's one called ensure and that one's literally from the magreter guy um stefan milton bosch yeah. yeah i guess yeah. I, don't, I don't know how to say his name <laughs> um but and then um but yeah so there's some competition in this space so you know We'll see who wins. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've t I have like this whole list 
there was um jenny bryan our previous guest uh yeah she gave a talk on spreadsheets uh ah, yes <laughs> yeah it was really cool i mean she, it was you know it was good and it's the continued empathy from her on the spreadsheet user is is good i think it's a good thing to hear because we can get kind of in an echo chamber of like spreadsheet hate right yeah yeah um yeah and so she was working on a package um with uh fitzjohn rich fitzjohn yeah Fitzjohn. Um, yeah yeah on um on literally reading like all the metadata in an excel sheet so like uh -huh. whether it's highlighted and like all the different pages and stuff it seems like I called the work heroic because that's like, <laughs> wow, it's a, lot, it's a lot of work and it seems so aggravating. A tedious. So yeah, very tedious, but yeah. also will be super helpful. I mean, it's funny because I was like, I was explaining to someone, I was like, it's like two layers of tedious because like, I already hate working with those sheets so much. And so generalizing a tool for the thing that I hate would be like, I could not... <laughs> Right, yeah. Like, like, good for her, you know. <laughs> it's, it's difficult to endorse. <laughs> it's not, yeah. It's like it's it's. I like I endorse it wholeheartedly, and I also hope I never have to use it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um. But yeah, I don't know. She. I mean, a lot of what I was saying earlier was coming from her talk of like how many people are using Excel. It's way more, and like, you know, and she has she's gotten more into kind of. Like, she talks about how people are using their Excel sheets almost as a GitHub repo, where they're like, oh, this is my hub with, like, the data, everything I did to the data, all the results. Like, it all lives in this sheet. And so then I can share it with people, and they see everything. Right, yeah. So, yeah, so, like, I think she's being, like, very empathetic and, like, you know, un understanding and, like, trying to support people, right? And they're good well, think, And also, I think it's a recognition that there are kind of, there are potentially other workflows um, that people can develop uh, mm -hmm. and that could work well for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Under certain and circumstances, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like they don't want the things that we want. Like they want right. everyone to see all their data. So they're sharing the Excel sheet, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, um, I had, I had an offline, offline conversation, uh, with Craig Citro from Google. Uh, and I, it was like one of those conversations. First of all, he gave a talk, which was great talking about, um, using R within Google. It, it felt very similar to what we do at Stitch Fix. Um, uh -huh. like they have our packages, they have, um, like I run an R office hour, um, like, you know, I mean, for the last month and a half, I've been there. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but um, like in our office hour to make sure people have support. Um, and and so they have similar stuff there. Um, this idea of kind of like scaling use via packaging. Um, he said something that like I, I like stared at him and like my jaw dropped. And I was like, I can't even talk for five minutes because I have to process my emotions around this. Which okay. is that apparently, apparently internally at Google, he works on a product that's... Um, like Jupyter notebooks in Google Drive. So like they have it they have it working in there where you can just write a Jupyter notebook, get like everything that like, you know, writing up code and it compiles and everything and all the interactivity. But then because it's on a Google Drive that you can share it with people, they can like leave comments the way you would with a Google Doc. Right. And it was like <laughs> that's all working internally. It all works internally. And I was just like, oh my God, this is like everything I feared that like within the Googleplex, there is like a whole wonderful world that I do not have access to. <laughs> well, well, none of us do, right? <laughs> none of us do. And like, yeah. it's not, I think they actually tried to open source. I mean, he was like, yeah, you can talk about it. I asked him if I could talk about it. He was like, of course, like I can point you to the blog post where we announced it. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, I mean, A, it's like, you know, I think it's, it's hard to maintain and there's not always an incentive to do it. It's just, it was so frustrating because the number of times I had conversations with people where, you know, you might be working on something in like, for me, our markdown, but like, you know, a Jupyter notebook just as easily. And then, but then the moment you need to circulate it to, you know, the managers, 
It's like, can you throw that in a Google Doc so we can comment? Like, yeah, <laughs> like that, yeah. that well, is it, the it, end of reproducibility right there. Yeah, the infrastructure is just, I, I think actually I think at a, at a broader level, that one of the, the key barrier for reproducibility is the infrastructure, is like the sharing infrastructure. I know. And like, um, to know that they have solved it in a way that seems like it'd be easy to, you know, <laughs> scale out so well I, I i like to say it's always easy for me to spend google's money <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah it's I, very I easy it, yeah <laughs> yeah no it was all it was great that craig was great and like uh hopefully his talk will be online um and he was like super super enthusiastic about working on this like it's it's it was a good discussion of kind of yeah the realities of open sourcing a big project like that um versus like focusing on internal users you know i think there's yeah. like a whole kind of along those lines actually carl broman was talking about maintaining um his r package that's um on bioconductor uh -huh. i assume it's on cran too but like it's a bioconductor kind of focus that meaning like genomics focused um yeah and um he was talking about the pitfalls of you know like how many lines of code have, like I think he said he wrote this package. V1 in this package was a long time ago, so it's like maintaining old code. Right. Um, people, that people use. That people, that people use, yeah. yeah. People submitting patches, and he has to update the patches. And so it's it's it was it was interesting to hear kind of the the realities of the amount of very unfun work, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then and that's, think, yeah, yeah. So like along the Google thing, it's kind of just, it's like a discussion. They're, they're constantly neat. I think, I think in the R world, we should probably discuss it more kind of like the costs and benefits of doing open source development. And like, I mean, I think that's a broader conversation too. Yeah. 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 Cause it's like not all, it's not always great for the Well, developers. I mean, I, I think the bottom line is that, it, it, yes. I mean, I think there are levels in which it's tr truly not great, but even in the best case scenario, it is work. Oh yeah. yeah, and it's yeah. like you know, it's just it's work, and you know, and you open source a package, and you know, if you have the if you're lucky enough that people use it, um, then you've just created more work for yourself. Exactly. So. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I do feel I honestly have like moral quandaries right now about relying on the free labors of others. Like, <laughs> it's just, you know, you hope that they get rewarded in other ways, but you don't always know that. Like, that's not always true, right? And like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> so. So on um, that note, no, <laughs> there, and to look back, you know, uh, <laughs> there was um, <laughs> to bring things to, to lighten things up. Someone from the British Museum was talking about kind of being a museum data scientist. That was just really uh -huh. fun. That is cool. Yeah. Talking about like measuring how people walk through the, uh, the museum and what they're searching for. That was really funny. Some of their top uh -huh. search terms were like very, I think the second one was like, it's like some form of like Japanese erotic art. It was like great. Okay. People are coming to the museum website. <laughs> like, interesting, interesting. Um, yeah. So, then, so, so, yeah. what does the data tell you in that case then? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess you have to decide if it's actionable. Like, should they should they make that exhibit bigger? <laughs> should, the entire museum should just be that, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably like she's quickly learning the problem of like optimizing for clicks. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's, so, yep. so yep. overall, a good experience? Oh, yeah. The whole conference? Yeah, the whole conference. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. awesome. It was awesome. I feel like I have one more written down that I want to talk about, which was um, Gabe oh, okay. Becker. Yeah, yeah. Gabe Becker was doing something, like, back on the reproducibility quickly. Um, he worked on a package that called Recorder that, like, adds metadata. I, I need to look at the details more. I know he hasn't um, released it yet, but it's essentially trying to link um ggplots to like or not gg like plot figures <laughs> any figure you create to the actual code that created it via embedding metadata into the figure itself um and so oh uh, yeah okay like his idea is like you would like kind of do like record session like first function and then everything you're doing it, somehow i think it would like use the history in order to link um and then Somehow, again, the technical details, I have no idea, but the idea being that when you're recording, then that means that you're embedding data into the figures in a way that makes it very easy to then go back and find the code that created the figure. 
Um, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so I thought that was really cool, uh, and kind of along this idea again of like how to develop analysis right, like like making sure that you're like embedding the metadata, like that's something that could be a default right in save. Uh, like, yeah, like when you save yeah. a fun, save something or like yeah. I don't even know. Yeah, it's been so long since I saved a figure that's not a ggplot that I it's like the save function, right? <laughs> but I think you need to. I mean, there has to be like a like an explicit intention, right? Because I think mm-hmm. otherwise it's hard to know like where does the code for the plot start? You know, he had a surprise. I think that was easier than you would think. Okay, um, like he had a way of using the layers and the I don't know, like the figure titles and stuff and there was some way that it wasn't too bad uh but again this is my like very hand wavy discussion and there's actually uh-huh. a lot going on under the okay. surface for that. yeah um, all right yeah. yeah yeah so i guess in the last one like another fun one was um just andrew flowers from 538 uh-huh. talking about using ggplot at 538 and using r generally um yeah yeah. Did, he, did he say, are they like a like an R shop or do they use a bunch of tools? <laughs> Most of them. <laughs> I feel like he, he had a little wink and nod. He was like, there's some Stata users still. Oh, okay. So, yeah, you can imagine who that is. But, okay. Um, <laughs> 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 but, yes. uh, yeah, like it was, no, it sounds like they're pretty on board and they try to publish. I know they've had, um, they've published their code a lot in the past. They might do it for everything now. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, they do a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really, that was cool too. And it's just, you know, it was like a lot of fun examples of like analyses they've done. And, um, it seems like it's a fun place, you know, <laughs> fun place generally. But he also, he had a lot of, it was funny cause I think he had some summary slide. I, in some ways the, the talk was almost like a pitch for other journalists to start using R. Uh-huh. Um, but his summary slide was like everything I would say. It's like, oh, you have reproducibility and accountability, and you have easier sharing. <laughs> and like, right, yeah. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, this is, you know, we're all the same in the right. end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, it was super fun. You should come next year. Okay. Come here up. There's going to be child care. So. At, at the next one? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> it, was, it was actually pretty funny when they announced that there was like, like, you know, you should come to Belgium because, like, beer one <laughs> and then beer two. <laughs> and, like, okay. and so he was like, so just to summarize, there will be childcare and there will be good beer. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it oh, is a awesome. really fun conference. Yeah, it always sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wait, so have you never been? I've never been. What? Yeah. You should obviously go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to one day going. <laughs> Put it that way. <laughs> you missed all the easy ones, so I'm not sure if it's really going to happen. Well, I mean, don't they alternate uh, in yeah. the United States? Ever? So, if I can't make it to Belgium, I'll. I'll how, about, how about this? Right here, right now, I'll guarantee that I'll go to either the next one or the one after. <laughs> <laughs> but what's at stake here? Like, there's what? A, there's nothing at stake, right? Just yeah. my reputation, I guess. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, yeah. I guess it would be like all the like equidist for you to go to the West Coast versus going to at well, least like Western Europe. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little farther, but <laughs> a little far- the time change is worse. But yeah, it's the time change is much yeah, worse. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, any other final thoughts from Usar twenty sixteen? No, I gave out a lot of my. I made our cat ladies stickers. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, actually, I, I will mention that those are available on Sticker Mule Marketplace. Um, and I put, I, I did a small markup, but the extra money is going to a cat charity. So. Which one? Um, it's called PetSmart's Charities. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, and like it was when I looked at the charity navigator, it was like the highest rank for kind of domestic animals. So. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it'll help dogs too. So okay. that's how inclusive we are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We will put a link to that to the Sticker Mule site for that. Yay! Yeah. yeah. I'm excited though because we've already raised like a chunk of change for for <laughs> cats. So I'm I'm proud of that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a as, as a, as a segue here, do you have any free advertising? I do. I have really boring free advertising. Okay, well, go <laughs> for it. Which is that, um, I don't know, do, do you use mint.com? Uh, no, I know I have, I know of it. But I don't oh, okay. It, yes. Well, this is going to be a one-way conversation then. 
<laughs> anyway, I've used Mint like for years, and I just learned, and this is all like moving related, but that there's a separate Mint bills at like website or the, know, this is the app. website where you kind of like manage your like bank accounts and stuff like that right yeah so that's okay. mint and then yeah. mint bills is like you can pay your bills uh from like one ui oh um, okay it's actually pretty nice i was like this is extremely nice and how did i not know about it because i'm like <laughs> i've been like a mint user for you know as since they started uh so wow. anyway yeah so this is just my like hillary moving like <laughs> the things you, if you need, to, you set, if you need to set up a bunch of new billing accounts it might yeah. be helpful to put them all into one place so now, is it the same company or is it like a different company or it, it, well it's all intuit uh oh, okay, TurboTax okay. people yeah because mint got acquired by intuit at some point oh so. okay yeah okay. it came out after so this must be now, did it get better or worse when they got acquired oh, i'd say it's it's the same it's kind of oh, just okay. it's just kind of like it's been the same for a while no oh that's good um yeah. Yeah. No, they didn't. They didn't start charging or anything. So that's always good. That's good. Although mint bills might start charging because they did have this thing like they have a place for fee, and it's always free, but it's like if you've added that, it might mean that the fee is not free one day. Basically. Ah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you yeah. want to try out a tool, <laughs> yeah. So my boring okay. household related no, advertising. That's cool. Um, so mine is I have a I follow. Uh, did you follow Katie Mack on Twitter? Yeah. Did you see? So she she's an astrophysicist I think in uh, Australia, mm-hmm. and she posted a time lapse video of her working. Oh, cool. So it, it's it's awesome because you know she's a like a theoretical astrophysicist. So she's basically sitting at her desk all day, and um, wow. but she has like a time lapse. I don't know. I think the time lapse only covers like twenty minutes or something like that, but. Uh, or maybe half an hour or something like that. But anyway, it's a time lapse of just her like sitting at her desk working, and wow. um, it's actually like it's like I've, I've watched it many times now. It's actually pretty cool. <laughs> For some reason, I don't know why. Oh my gosh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, and she's got like a couple of them actually. If you follow the thread like uh, on Twitter, there's a couple of them there. Um, I know. I'm like going to, I'm going to try to find it right now. I'll oh. I'll wait for the link. I'll yeah. wait for you. <laughs> that's like. That's gutsy. I don't think I don't think I would want people to see how much I'm like, you know, standing up, going and getting M and M's, coming back. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, it would be like me sitting at my desk for like one second and then like going off like to like annoy other people, like Jeff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go and mentor. You mean? Yes, yeah, so I'm gonna. Yes, yeah, so I have to go mentor other people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it wouldn't be as interesting. But anyway, so it's there's something. If you want to know, like, you know, what be life as an academic is like, yeah, there you go. Yeah, is she a postdoc or no? A I think she's professor? a. I don't, she's some faculty level type of person. I don't know what they call them in Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's cool. I I always feel like she's when I was on the East Coast. Anyway, it would be like when I was doing my late night weird Twitter. She'd be, uh, like it'd be like the normal daytime for her. Oh yeah, right. Of course. <laughs> I yeah. ended up interacting with her a lot for a while, uh, just based on you know, I'd be at home like doing my late night like stream of consciousness tweeting. <laughs> you know do you know this like weird twitter like the whole yes yeah it's like yes All i feel right. like i'm a half participant so <laughs> <laughs> can you be half of that I don't... uh probably not probably, probably it's like not. all or nothing yeah yeah <laughs> yeah between that and then i dip my toes in journalism twitter because my brother's a journalist oh yeah and so, yeah so i see a lot of I think that's why I tweet. I probably to some people tweet a lot about like politics. I mean, you know, this is a political cycle that people feel strongly about, and I'm definitely one of those people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the same time, like my feed is so journalists tweet such high volume yeah. and very opinionated usually, and so it's like I <laughs> I feel like I'm like holding back, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, compared to yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, but I think yeah. if I always wonder for people who kind of just follow scientists or uh, like data people or whatever, it probably I probably seem like really out there. <laughs> but just gotta do you, man. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I do I do follow a lot of astronomy Twitter. I guess because my brother is an astronomer, but. Um, but he's he's not on Twitter though because he's in China. I didn't realize but, uh... that about your brother. Yeah. Oh, you know? Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, he he's does, often so he... he's like way far away too, right? He's in China. Yeah. Yeah. Where, wow. where Twitter doesn't work, so he doesn't use Twitter. But uh. Really. Yeah. I guess I knew that, but man, that's 
It's kind of annoying because like the thing, all the things that I use like don't work in China, so he can't use them. And then, you know, it's like wow. Google doesn't work, Facebook doesn't work, Twitter doesn't work. Yeah. So. Wait, I've seen him. I've seen him post on Facebook before. Yeah, yeah. He has to use a VPN to do oh, that. Oh, yeah. Easily, yeah. So it's not convenient. Wow. Anyway, yeah. but I follow a lot of astronomers on Twitter for some reason. Yeah. Do you follow Alex Parker, the astronomer? Uh, no, that, you know, I don't, I know who he is though. Yeah. yeah. Cause he's not your brother, right? <laughs> he's not my brother. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, that one throws me every time. Apparently yeah. Right. The last name Parker is very common. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> anyway. Um, all right. Well, I think, uh, I think, I think that's our use our 2016 summary plus random other stuff. Is there anything else you want to share? No, no, I think I'll be excited. Uh, I'll be excited to just, I'm, I think the only thing I'll share is just that I'm, I'll be excited to kind of try out the packages I've been discussing and I'll try to keep people in the loop as they're released. Kind of the, the subset, A, I should say this is everything we talked about was like a very much a subset of the whole sure. conference. Yeah. Um, and the conference videos should be, many of them will be online. Uh, so we can kind of keep you in the loop on that about yeah. what's coming out and, and specific packages as they're released. As I said, some of these were, not yet on crayon or not yet public uh for like variety of reasons so yeah so yeah yeah no i look forward to using some of these at least trying them out yeah yeah it's always fun all right cool cool 